and welcome to Unidentified Wargammer. Each week I interview a Wargammer and identify them in the hobby. This week I've got the wonderful Pete Atkinson, better known as Plastic Crack. How you been, Pete? How you doing, Sam? Good to talk to you. Good. So I've brought Pete on just to talk about him as a person, as a Wargammer, how he got into the hobby, and then also a bit about his blog, because um, everyone seems to love a bit of crack in their daily life. Uh, so I just thought it'd be interesting to bring him on and see what he's all about. So how you been, Pete? And what sort of brought you into playing tabletop wargaming? Yeah, first of all, very good. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Big fan, big fan. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do listen to the show. Been uh, been listening to your episodes with NC Dave and Smorgan just this week. So, oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I really it's enjoy great. it. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I really enjoy it. But yeah, in terms of wargaming, it's um, probably, I don't know, I don't know if you ever read um, White Dwarf and, you know, it's one of those things you sort of, um, these days I buy it if there's a White Dwarf article in it for an army I play. When, mm-hmm. I, was, when I was a bit younger, I used to read it all the time. But there was, a, there was an issue that came out, I'm going to say, two years ago. And it was, you know, let's say the 40th anniversary of White Dwarf or something like that. It might have even been the 50th. Might have even okay. been since the 70s, I don't know. And there was a, a topic on the letters page about exactly that. Where people were people were writing into White uh, White Dwarf about how they got into the hobby, and yep. I'd say probably sixty or seventy percent of them were talking about a game called Hero Quest. Okay, if you know that one, Sam, Hero Quest. I've not played it, but I've seen it for sale, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've heard it's quite an iconic sort of gaming system. Iconic is exactly what it is. I think um, growing up because I grew up in the UK, obviously you can tell from the accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Well, I've been in Australia a while now, and the accent's going nowhere. I think at this, yeah. at this point, it's not changing. It's not gonna. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Hero Quest was it was huge in the UK in the nineties, like absolutely huge. Okay. Can't overstate it. It was you know it was sold in toy shops, and um, it wasn't just sold in GW stores. So it had real crossover appeal, and it was mm-hmm. for a generation of nerds. It was it was the gateway uh, into the hobby, for for you know thousands of us in the UK. And it used to always on the last day of school term used to people could take in toys or games to play. Oh, cool! And we used in every year there used to be a game that was the sought after game. And if you were one of the cool mm-hmm. kids, you got a seat at the table for this game. And if you weren't one of the cool kids, you had to go and sit and play snakes and ladders in the corner. <laughs> and I, I remember for about three years in a row, the game that everyone wanted to be on and the seat at the table that you wanted was Hero Quest. When we saw nine, ten, eleven years old, yeah. And it went from being the coolest thing you could possibly be into. So you went to high school and an invisible the switch flicked and it went from being <laughs> the coolest hobby you could possibly have to being something to hide and you, it, it all got yeah. a little bit, uh, you know, you, you would walk through the door at high school and see, so who likes dragons and wizards and dwarves? <laughs> You'd get that knocked out of you real quick. So uh, Yeah, I bet. So yeah, so I, I don't know if it directly got me into the hobby as such, but it, it was miniature wargaming and it was published by Games Workshop. So yeah, got to the age of about... Um, 12 or 13 and a friend mm-hmm. a friend of mine was big into uh, 40k at the time okay so bought i bought warhammer fantasy battles and this is how old i am it was fourth edition and everyone talks about the cardboard dread from second ed 40k which was the 40k edition at the time but my yep. cardboard dread was my cardboard grom the paunch it was grom the paunch <laughs> on his little carrier. do you remember that edition sam or was that before your time there was way before my yeah. time i've only been in for the last two years or so that's for sure no <laughs> yes, way, way before mine yeah, yeah. I feel like we've so been just, chatting for just before two, COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I messaged you just as I got into it to get that WhatsApp group. I know about good. just when I got into it. Well, I remember me and you chatting in that WhatsApp group, and yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Time flies. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So yeah, that 
Warhammer Fantasy Battle 4th edition for the box set. Um, that's why I still love Orcs and Goblins now, because I just thought Grom the Paunch was the coolest thing ever. And I just thought, imagine being wealthy enough to own a real one, because you could buy the real model as well. Yep. And at the time, it was, you know, it's different now that you're working and you can, if you feel like buying something on a whim, you buy it. But back You've then, had out money now. Yeah, exactly. But back then, you didn't have, you, there was no pile of potential. You didn't have boxes of unopened miniatures <laughs> in your cupboard. If you bought something, well, you didn't buy anything. You, you built up armies over two or three years of birthday presents. If you got a kit, okay. like that was a, a a model kit was a decent birthday present. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't just buy something on a whim. But anyway, um, yeah, fourth edition fantasy bought the box set, painted the models very crudely. I'm sure. Never played a game. Never played a game. Yeah, okay. yeah. My mate was playing 40k with some other guys, but I was sort of skirting around the edges of it and dipping a toe in. Owned it. Actually, built up a, an undead army at the time, and again, never played a game with it. Yep. They were the cheapest to buy back then because you could get this big plastic undead army set. And okay. in those days, everyone wanted metal miniatures. Plastic was cheap junk. Nobody wanted um, plastic. It was to, it was almost like not a real army if it was plastic, but you could get okay. a plastic undead army. So I did because it was cheap. But yeah, Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And used to work. Can you remember getting blisters in the stores? Or was... Yeah, I, I've got some blisters here because I bought some old metal goblins and stuff like that. Yeah, so you, uh, yeah, you've picked them up secondhand. But that yeah. used to be the thing, like when I was sort of 12, 13, 14, you would go into a GW store and the shelves were covered in blister packs. You know, you would get, you would, oh. build, up, you would build up units, sort of four metal models at a time and okay. pick up the blister pack and give it a little bit of a shake and try to see, you would try to find the perfect combination of four models in the blister pack because you could... It was almost haphazard which ones were in there. Oh, it's like a randomised sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, like there. any four from 30 sort of thing. So you'd be... Oh, okay, yeah. That was your Saturday afternoon's entertainment was um, trying to find the perfect <laughs> blister pack for two ninety nine or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if you would call that being into the hobby as such, but I was certainly interested in it. And the classic story of got uh, lost interest in it when I started um, started drinking, essentially, sort of. Yeah. Which in the UK, most blokes start doing about the age of 15. You start going to pubs yeah, and okay. stuff like that and sneaking in and trying to get served and <laughs> going to the soccer games and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah. yeah um, and then had a really long gap of 20 plus years to when I was 35 or maybe 36, okay. 37. And my daughter was, um, was in a, a daycare class or a mother's group class or something like that with a, a fella um, or, a, or a young lad and, you know, they were, playing together at this um she was only three or something like that they were playing together at this daycare or parents group or whatever and um this kid's parents invited us around for dinner oh nice and we went around for dinner and their son and he would you know like i said about three or four he was he was have you got kids sam Mm-mm. no no well no. you can <laughs> not probably, yet yeah i mean you can probably imagine there's like a, there's a bit of a sliding scale from baby talk to talking in full adult sentences and everything in between. And when they're about yep. that age, they, they talk to you, but it's sometimes kind of quite hard to pass what they're saying. And okay. and he was, I thought this kid is describing miniature wargaming to me, but he doesn't have the vocabulary <laughs> to describe it. And I, so I said to Rohit, because it was uh, Rohit Thomas's son, Ro is one of my best mates. I said, do you play Warhammer? Is he talking about, because he'd been painting these little toy soldiers and stuff like that. And I said, is he talking about Warhammer here? And the Age of Sigmar first edition starter box had just dropped, the very first one. Oh, uh, yeah. Perfect time to come in. Perfect time, yeah. And he said, uh, yeah, he said, he basically told me the story that I've just told you, which was when I was a kid, 
bought a heap of fantasy yep. models, didn't really play, just painted some models and read the rule book, but never played any games. And here I am 20 years later, decided I'll have a crack. And exactly the thing that a lot of hardcore fantasy battle players didn't like about the transition to Age of Sigmar is exactly what Lua was in, which was streamlined, free-flown, simplified, and that's how it was marketed and that's how it was pushed. Mm-hmm. And I think compared to 8th edition fantasy, it certainly was. And he said, yeah, so I've just bought this this new game that they brought out called Age of Sigmar. Do you want to play? I said, sure, I'll, you know, we'll play through the starter set missions. And we just had the best time. It was like, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that you could possibly have this much fun in life. It was just, it was everything. <laughs> it was so, I just loved that. It Like when I look at rank and flank and pushing, um, what do you call those wee cardboard boards that they put uh, unit trays and stuff oh, like that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can't think of anything worse to me. It's like looking at a, cathode ray tv instead of a flat screen you know um it just yeah, so yeah. dated and analog and yeah just everything about um age of sigma very first edition it was um it, it just grabbed me from the start and that first first edition box set it was a really well constructed bridge into the game and into the hobby okay did you ever play it sam no i didn't know that was still before my time yeah yeah <laughs> i thought so just a second but the way it works oh good do you play video games at all Ah, uh, that was my first love. Yeah, was yeah. video games. I think yeah. you know, it probably tickles us the similar part of the brain. I think a lot of us, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. dabble, wouldn't we? But yeah, it was. Um, it was like the first thirty minutes you play on a video game. You know where it's like, yeah. look up, so you move this joystick up. Look, look at your feet, so you look at your feet. Press square to punch this idiot in the face. You press square and you punch him. Like it's, yeah. it's real. It's like the intro to a video game. It was. Okay. It was one model, which was the Lord Selson on Dracoth, I think, versus two models, which was the you know the bondage guy with his whip and a Korgarath. Yep. Okay. And you just pushed those three models together and had a little fight, and then yep. and then you went into the next mission and it, and it brought in a few more models and a few more models and by the by the okay. I'm going to say the sixth mission you were playing like a 700 point game. So it just, that's cool. That seems like a good setup. Then. It was. It was really good, and and you didn't go straight into fight each other on objectives there was like specific things like trying to get prosecutors off the edge of the board and things like that it was real it, you could tell that they'd, they'd put a lot of thought and a lot of work into into giving you a tutorial which is what it was it was a mm-hmm. tutorial and i just thought that every games workshop game was going to do that mm-hmm. until i um you know the, i think it was eight fed 40k came out shortly afterwards and that was um that was just straight into play a game and fight each other on objectives so um, and I think the only Games Workshop game that's come out since that actually does do that is, um, have you played Kill Team at all? Uh, no, but I've seen a few games of it. Yeah. Well, that does exactly the same thing. It's got a tutorial. It's, um, it's, okay. it walks you through the, it walks you through the, the basics. It's got a couple of very skewed set piece missions, mm-hmm. exactly the same principle. And we've got right into that locally as well. It's good fun. But yeah. Um, yep. so that, that tutorial and that walkthrough in the first age of sigma starter set got us right into it and i just thought i'm god's gift to warhammer i'm so good at this <laughs> like a lot of these starter sets it's not balanced at all like it, yeah no you push no. you push the models together and stormcast win that's what happened like yeah okay and so thought, i'm guessing you chose the stormcast half then didn't really choose just um it was stormcast versus corn and it was just which you know one of us picked up a model and did it um yeah okay and yeah i just pushed them forward wiped the floor with them every time and thought, hey, I'm good at this. <laughs> I'm really good. And then we switched sides and played through the other way around. And I thought, what's going on? Yeah, this is bullshit. <laughs> so yeah, it was, but that, that was how we got into it. And, um, and yeah, I never looked back. We've been, so in answer to your question, yes, I have been 
in wargaming for a long time, but really yep. um, only in earnest since Age of Sigmar dropped. But I have been okay. here for the full journey of Age of Sigmar. Yeah, okay. And so what what do you think keeps you interested the most with the game then? Is it the, the, the look of the models? Or do you think it's because you're able to use your strategic brain to get wins over people? Mm-hmm. What about that starting part of it kept you, or made you have that awesome feeling of this is one I want to keep playing? I'm going to say the most, what keeps me hooked on it is the social side, right? Yep. Originally, where it started was it gave me and Ro something to do on Saturday nights while we're having a drink. And mm-hmm. it still is, to me, first and foremost, something I do with my mates while I'm having a beer. And I think it always yep. will be. And I have um, I have leaned into Aegis Sigmar and leaned out of it at times over the last seven years. And mm-hmm. I've probably spent about 18 months where I mained Underworlds and loved it. Um, yep. You know, kept my, kept my eye in with Aegis Sigmar a little bit, but it wasn't my main system for a little while there. And again, the last 12 months until recently, it's probably been uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol more so than Age of Sigmar. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really the the social side of it that means I'll I'll dip in, I'll dip out, I'll lean in, I'll lean out, but I'll never ever walk away because it made so many friends through it. So many friends. Yeah. yeah. It seems to be the common thread between everyone that I've spoken to is the game might be bad or terribly imbalanced or you might not be having fun with what you're doing, but there's always the community there and that's what seems to hold people because um, we had one friend that sort of dipped away from the Age of Sigma side um, and tried to play other games and things like that, but then ultimately came back because he was missing the friends circle, the friends group. Like that was the main core of the whole reason that everyone was playing was that social side of it all. Yeah. Well, there's, um, there's no so point in owning the world's only telephone, is there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you might love another game system or whatever, but you you want to you want to hang out with your mates. You want to do what they're doing ultimately yeah yeah and, and what so you started with stormcast a little bit did that army stay did you like stick to stormcast or did you instantly go off to then do something different yeah that was purely for the first you know the, the intro game and the start that i didn't yeah. I didn't buy any or play with them beyond that it was um it really uh you know i was thinking right i'm going to go out and buy an army i'm enjoying this we're going to take it further um what, what army do i want and ever since that fourth edition starter set that i owned I knew I wanted to play Orcs and Goblins. Mm-hmm. It came with quite a, an iconic template in there, which was the Fallen Giant. Oh, I've seen that. The yep. white and black. Yeah, yeah. When it, They had yep. all little templates for things. They loved it. They loved the little tokens and stuff back then. But uh, but yeah, when I when I had that, I, you know, I loved um, I loved Grom the Paunch. I thought they were a pretty cool army. And then mm-hmm. Fanatics as well. And then I found out that Orcs were the army that could take Giants as well. And at that point, mm-hmm. it just seemed unfair. Like, all of the coolest stuff was in one army. Like, why would anyone play anything except orcs? Like, <laughs> Games Workshop have stuffed up. Nobody's going to buy anything except orcs. They've got all the coolest stuff. And then, yep. but that back then, like, you, you wouldn't buy a giant. Like, we're, we're just so expensive for a kid, you know, for a kid. So, yeah, I, I did, um, when I got back into it, or when I got into Rage of Sigmar, I, I thought it was so cool that the Ale Goes Like Organ still had that rule that it could fall over and squish people and do mortal wounds because right. there'd been a 20 year gap for me and that that rule was still to me it looked like a, a throwback to that template yeah and, and yeah so and you, you orcs could still take giants well it was mixed destruction at the time you could still take giants in there and and bone splitters were just getting released at the same time okay and i got into bone splitters and Ro got into sylvaneth but bone splitters for me you know that they were pushing it and you went into a games workshop store and the book was on the shelf and all the models were on the shelves. They were sort of the new thing they were pushing. And um, 
So I was like, oh, if you want to play orcs, these are the orcs that are in front of you. So I grabbed them and very, you know, loved them and still play them now, but very quickly from there branched out into Iron Jaws, uh, bought some trolls and, mm-hmm. and really just snowballed from there. So from from that point on, I've only really ever played the game with, with destruction armies. And Best good man, good man. <laughs> yeah. And that's not to say it's the only army I ever would play. Like I like, yeah, I like loads of things. Like I've bought a Caradron army and sold it on again. Bought a Nighthorn army and sold it on, without ever playing a game with them. So I would play those armies. It's just uh, I do like them. I just like orcs more. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to do it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, what about the orcs? Is it just like the the cool and fun rules, or do you like the tactics behind the orcs as well? Is that what sort of keeps you entertained with it all? Is it just nostalgia for you? I think it's the nostalgia. It's also um, ruler cool a little bit. I like the minis. I mm-hmm. like the, even the old school ones. I like the old Doom Divers and things like that. Right, yep. the, right the way through it. The new ones, like I've, I've got on my shelf here beside me, a, a heap of rock trolls that I'm painting at the moment. And in the new Cruel Boys, I love their aesthetic as well, even though it's very different from the Bone Splitters and Angels. Yes, yep. so, yeah. It, it's really the aesthetic of the army. And, I, um, and what I would say is the ruler cool factor. You know, not everyone likes them, but I do. Mm-hmm. So you definitely love the old green skins then. Anything green is good for you. For sure. Yeah, team green all yep. the way. Have Have you gone into the other side of destruction being the, the pink-skinned people? Pink-skinned people, you've got me there. Like ogres and giants. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, play, a bit of, play a bit of ogres, play a bit of giants. Um, I have okay. said that. I, I own a Sons of Beam Army. I've never took it to an event or anything. Never, it's more mm-hmm. to be still. But yeah, I play ogres a lot. Yeah, love ogres. Yep. Yeah, they're cool too. I know, I know what you know what this is, um, but I'll, I'll explain later for the listeners. Would you sort of call your play style, are you like a Timmy gamer, are you a bit of Timmy Johnny? How would you sort of um, think of yourself as a person playing war games? Because you're obviously into all the big destruction armies and big destruction armies. Yeah, yeah. I'd say somewhere between Timmy and Johnny. I'll I'll run models that okay. I like, but I won't run them if they're bad. If the ones that I really like are in a bad spot, I'll find something else that I like almost as much and look for something interesting that I can do with that okay. as well. So yeah, you know, I like the yep. big janky combos and the um and the big moments in the big dramatic moments that age of sigma throws up a lot i think i think that's something that's um a real strength of the game is those big dramatic memorable moments which i think that you know that's a real strong yep. johnny trait so yeah i'd say somewhere between timmy and johnny i'll only play models that i like but uh within that i'll i'll look for the combos and 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 play those armies that i think can give me something exciting exciting in a game yep okay awesome i'll just explain for people so timmy is pretty much someone that loves smashing big monsters together rolling tons of dice and seeing all the big explosions and then johnny's a bit of a strategic sort of thinker and likes to plan things out hence why uh pete here is in half and half loves the big monster smash ups with the the ogres and the uh big giants and giants falling over and the uh, more crusher and such but loves to run them strategically and actually get wins out of them because i think if you just go in with a big monster mash you're probably more likely to come out with a loss and what, a what i like there. is an aesthetic as well as a real destruction rabble i like i like a couple of big mm-hmm. monsters i'm happy to have a couple of centerpieces and then hordes and hordes of chaffs swarming around their ankles for me that when i look at an army on the table that's yep. when it looks like a proper destruction army to me something a little bit ramshackle and yeah that's some people like, so I don't like a pure monster mash for that reason. And I don't, 
some like Pat Nevins mm-hmm. talked a lot about he loves foot troops and he doesn't like the centerpieces. He just wants a horde of people, murderers swarming over the horizon. For me, it's that real mishmash yep. of like a, multiple big models and then hordes and hordes of junk swarming around their ankles. How about you? What, what do you like? Mm-hmm. Well, it's very fantasy. Mm-hmm. That's what I love as well. It's very fantasy looking. If you ever play any of the video games like Total War and stuff like that, you'll have one big sort of guy floating around and have all the foot troops because I'm into like... I love my horde armies, and horde armies have to have a big centerpiece model, like be it the um, the Bell and Skaven, or it would be my big Vordry and mm. my Soulblight army. I've got big spiders and um, Boingrot, not Boingrot, Mangler, but yeah. Mangler Squigs and stuff like that. So I have a big centerpiece in all of my armies with a bunch of trash around their feet, for sure. That's how yeah. I build my armies. So I'm with you there. I'm definitely, I think I'm very Johnny with a little bit of Timmy, because um, I do like to be on the top as much as I can with my armies, but I will pick the army and, and stick with the army, even if it's a little bit garbage. Hence why I uh, stuck with Gits for mm. over a year uh, when they were uh, terrible, and hence why I stuck with the Squigs. Well, I remember me and you in those uh, WhatsApp chats sitting there having a little soak. <laughs> yes, no, we're not happy, that's for sure, when our rules, we didn't get any bonuses yeah. and stuff like that, and what we did get was utter garbage because they removed it from us <laughs> six months later <laughs> by removing battalions. I'm not happy with that. Um, yeah. So, what sort of what sort of play style do you have then, as well? Being the these graphic pro styles, um, are you sort of like an aggressive player with your Iron Jaws armies and stuff like that, or are you a bit more reserved and a bit of strategic sort of reactive player? Because I know they lean pretty heavily yeah. either well, way. Well, I think at the moment, especially the the strongest way to play them is full on in your face, balls to the wall, rage mm-hmm. across the table, throw your throw your army across the table like a bowling ball. Um, Probably, I would say the first thing is that I am impatient. I need to give myself something okay. to do turn one. Um, I remember when the mm-hmm. game first came out, there was, I guess, you know, it's been a progression away from the old rank and flank movement trays stuff to where we are now, which is teleport, rocket tag, units detonating each other and then pinging across the table. And it's so dynamic. It's so dynamic. But I, I remember the great. first year or two, there was a, a lot more of jockeying for position, nudging your units forward. You weren't really engaging until turn three. If you could get most of your army fighting turn two, you had a, a really aggressive, fast army. Um, so yeah, I think um, mm-hmm. I, that's what, I, you know, there's been bumps in the road, but that's what I think, that's where I think the game's evolved for the better. I don't think you would go, you would want to go back from, even though we loved it at the time, I don't think you'd want to go back from what we've got now, even with its flaws for for the early days, because that um, that dynamic aspect is something that the game's really uh, matured into and and I do like that Mm -hmm. so when I say impatient I need to give myself something to do turn one it doesn't have to be an alpha strike it might be something like teleporting one unit of squigs with the re-rollable charge so that they've got a good chance of getting in there and munching through some chaff Uh, and then when they die you can summon them back later so it's a good trading unit it might be chucking out a few endless spells if I'm running a gift list with buff magic I have to give myself something to do other than just walking forward onto objectives. And that's probably why my sons of Beermad are still on the shelf, <laughs> right? Because that's what... Yeah. I felt the exact same when I picked them up. I played one game with them, and I'm like, this mm. is so boring. All I've done is push onto the middle objectives. Can you kill me? No? Well, then I win. If you can, oh, I lose. And that was the whole game. I'm like, that is not fun at all. And I sold them like yeah. that next week or something. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I totally see that. And I think that's uh, 
that's another thing that Age of Sigmar gives you a lot. And the games that I love are those ones where uh, maybe it's priority rule for turn four. Both armies are left in tatters. You've got handfuls of units. Every model on every objective mm-hmm. counts. You're scrambling on. You're, you're trying to get six models to their five. If this model goes left instead of right, you've blown it. Every cast, every unbind's massive. Yep. You just get to those real, real crunch games that have gone deep into it. And that I love that I like armies that that can develop those sorts of games. And I, I find that all mm-hmm. of like Git, Iron Jaws, all of them can do it if you um if you invest in that. And that's what I like to do. So so I am yep. impatient. I like to get stuck in from turn one, but I also I guess probably like to how would I put this? I like to make it look as if I'm committing more than I really am. I like to, um, like all mouth and no trousers, perhaps, um, show, show a bit of front <laughs> and uh, make a big show about yep. um, being aggressive while really saving up for the counter punch in the wave two and the wave three. So I, I do like to engage, but mm-hmm. not with my full army. Probably, yeah. yeah probably okay. the other thing I would say is that I'm very feel bad averse. And I, I am one of those people who, if I've if I've had a game where I felt like I hadn't given myself the tools to engage in the game or I hadn't or I felt like I was in a situation in the game where I couldn't do anything that'll prey on my mind for days weeks months afterwards uh, if there's something in the matter yep. that's a big bad that everyone's scared of I'll make sure that I'm going into the game with a tool to deal with that even if it makes my list less efficient okay. and less powerful overall so it's probably sometimes been to my own detriment like if you if you're looking for podiums yep. or five and O's, you might be better off just playing the odds and thinking I won't have to play against it, or if I do, it's day one against some filth chasing scrub, and I won't, you know, just be the one player. Yeah, you've you've got to get lucky yeah. or dodge. That, that might be the better way to go sometimes, but I won't do that. I'll always make sure that if there's something that I would feel gave me an uninteractive game or a or a depressing game, I would make sure that I give myself the tools to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can definitely echo your sentiments with your last statement as well. I just had a game last night against mm-hmm. Nicole. Um, she plays Nighthaunt majority. You might know mm-hmm. Nighthaunt Nicole. I think they're staying around. Um, and we was pretty much down to turn five priority. I had my Skaven and she had a Nighthaunt. And it was whoever won turn five priority pretty much sealed the game away for a 24-25 victory. But we had three or four units each and we had like five or six models in each unit and we were just scrounging around for those last sort of points and she was blocking up my gnaw holes while i was trying to scramble into her territory for my grand strategy and it was down to that and that was a very exciting game with both armies being able to do what they wanted but they also had punch and had agency over the whole board and that was the whole game yeah that's awesome that's what we're here for right it's definitely a way to play Yeah, yeah that's definitely the way to play what sort of armies? So you've run destruction. Have you branched out besides destruction? I know you said you had your K on your nine horn. You haven't gone anywhere else. Then? position, Sam. Have <laughs> <laughs> a simple taste. Yeah. No, I um. Yeah. yeah. Look, I have I have branched out in terms of I've bought those armies because I I really like carriage and overlords. <laughs> I think they're so cool and night horn as well. Such a cool army. But then I've always got mm-hmm. a destruction list that I want to try or an orc list that's tickling something in my brain that I want to get on the table. So I'm not saying I never would, but after seven years, I never have played anything but orcs and, you know, orgas, things like that. And um, and I, mm-hmm. I think, um, look, never say never. Never say never. Yeah, never say never. Okay. I think Skaven might be fun. I probably would enjoy him. 
There should be destruction. I think they feel more destruction than they bloody feel chaos, had, that's for sure. They've had the wolves that I wish Brots had all the way through. Like, good. Yeah, you know, they have. Yeah. Variability, but good variability. Not like not like the bad moon yeah. where you either don't get a battle trait or you get a crap one. They get, they yeah. have basically. It's massive yeah. risk versus reward. You, you, you'll blow yourself up, but you do a lot of damage in return. Whereas the gits is like, do I roll high enough to at least get some bonuses well, yeah. for my army? And the um, the ale goes like organs, the classic example of that. You have to roll like an absolute king just to get him back to par. You know, where he was doing, yep. what was it, 3d6 attacks. And you, you, you would have to get hit 14 to 18 just for him to be on par with what a unit cost and that which should be on a five up save. But um, mm-hmm. I think probably what's a little bit encouraging, because to me, there's, there's two types of good variability. Right, Gits have had loads of bad variability. Yep. It was it was basically you either get oh, something crap yeah. or you get nothing. I think good variability yep. for me is either baseline good, upside better, which Skaven have got a lot of. Um, yep. So the the, yes. the fundamentals are there for the army. They've got cheap units. They've got good shooting, and then they can use their sparks to get their rerolls and things like that. So they've always had baseline yep. good, upside better, or like what you touched on for good variability, which is you could have you can have explosive upside. Or catastrophic downside. So Skaven people blowing themselves up, for example, yep. is, um, is the classic. You know, they do a lot of that as well, like doing wheels and um, taking D3 mortals after they've done a line. That's yep. that's the sort of variability that I love to see. And where I'm really encouraged, Sam, is that I did see that type of variability in the Oric War Clans book. So to give you an example yes, of each, okay. I was just talking earlier about the Ailgus like Gorgon and how bad his profile were and. <laughs> so the big stabbers used to have a um, damage characteristic of three, and then if you're hitting a hitting a monster, it was three plus D three. So that's great, you know, it's all upside. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's a little bit like that with the Brigger Trog, the uh, you know the guy riding on the back of the Master Blaster on. Yeah, so he's yes. um, yep. he's got five attacks with the guy on the back base at damage two, and then I think it's four attacks mm-hmm. for the Trog itself. And then if you yank the chain, you can take damage, yep. and it's either six, eight, or ten attacks. So again, you've got you've got that baseline yeah, there. The fundamentals perfect. are there. He's a hero on a four up save. Yep. You can if you take damage. You can explode. So it's, the fundamentals are there, yep. and the variability is upside. Well, it gives you something to think about as well. It's like, do I just need this baseline yeah. damage through, and it's good enough there, or do I need to do a little bit more damage? I might even kill myself in the process because I take D three mortal wounds. But it's worth it, whereas the gits just don't have any of that. It's like I've got to make a random roll to even get yeah, to it's that, that risk reward. Board. And I think I think they really nailed it with that. Like the fundamentals are there, and then it gives you some interesting decision points, yes. and and he can punch way above his weight. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good example mm-hmm. of that kind of variability. And the other one, um, the the wild upside versus the wild downside, is the the Wurgog prophet with his mask. Um, yes, <laughs> I did go to a measured gaming event a couple of weeks ago. It was a, I guess, a bit of a swan song for the last General's Handbook. And across five games over two days, 150 point wizard, he killed a grand. Because you, you know, we've all seen the the war stories on Twitter about oh, top down this guy. And, uh, people only tell you the good <laughs> ones. Across um, across five yep. games over two days, he killed three models, all of which were himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's 750 points down the shitter. Uh, but then I've got a massive collection yeah. of Kragnos skulls hanging around his belt as well. He loves staring down Kragnos. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, that's a real, a real good example of um, of the upside and downside, which is what I think Gits should be. I would love to see some of that, um, mm-hmm. some of that flavour. 
come into the next Gits book when it eventually comes because I, I think um, yeah. I think there's unlimited potential for Gloom Spike to have some really exciting rules on that theme. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the closest thing they ever got was the mm. fanatics because they get the 2d6 charge, you do mortals when you go in, and they can really blow off chops or they're average yeah. and they just die back. But at least there's something out of it, whereas I think the main thing that we were probably all thinking of is the moon. You don't roll well, mm. you don't get anything, but you're forced to make that roll to see if it's going to work. And same with like the squigs. Um, you're forced to make their their movement the 2d6 or the 3d6. You don't get an option of maybe having a 4 mm. or 5-inch base. I think maybe that's what makes it a bad like feel because of the way there is no... Yeah, there, there is no baseline for it all. So you, you, you're forced to make that decision, and that's a random decision yeah. that frustrates people. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's unlimited potential. One thing I have... Book. It could be so exciting. Oh, Yeah. As long as they get rid of the keyword bingo that they bring through, I tell you what, though, I am happy with the <laughs> FAQ that came out. I think the I think Gits are yes, really, um, really interesting to build list with lists with again. The the shrine helps so much. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's just a shame it's taken three years for them to get to that point, yeah. <laughs> and we'll only get it for six months. We're still we looking enviously at an STS oh. Gaven book. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying my Skaven book. It's a very lots yeah, of Johnny sure. in there. I'm thoroughly yeah. enjoying it all. And so you've you've been pushing your your Iron Jaws and your Gits and your your Ogres and your well not your Gargans um, to tournaments and stuff like that. How have you found tournaments? Are you like a massive tournament I gamer? Um, I do. I love tournaments. I I I would say sometimes it can be a little bit to the detriment of everything else. And what, what I mean by that is in our okay. local crew, if there's a tournament on the horizon and it could be like a month and a half away, we all sort of gravitate towards wanting to practice that pack and play the missions that are going to be at that event. So it mm-hmm. does, um, what would I say, it probably sucks the oxygen out of the room a little bit, or it can do, it, if you yep. let it, and it, it's hard not to if you're going there, because um, we're going to play a game, why would we <laughs> yeah, play a game yeah. that isn't working towards that? So I, I, I love tournaments, yep. and the, I think they're what really turns it from being a hobby into a lifestyle. And I think they are what... Yeah, yeah an obsession. They're what, they're what keeps you in it long term. So I would I definitely... You know, if you if you look at what tournaments does to your hobby, if you have to take all of it or none of it, I'll take all of it 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 100. It's such... Yeah, yes. it, it's it's had such a big impact on my life and I, I would never be without it. Um, but yeah, with the little rider, that mm-hmm. probably... It, it can um, it can suck the oxygen out of the room a little bit, but yeah. In answer to your question, Sam, I, yeah. I don't travel interstate all that often, to be honest. Um, mainly for money okay. and time reasons, you know, got kids at home and stuff like that. But um, you know, I'll go to as many yep. as I can in the great state of Victoria, and yeah, maybe treat myself mm-hmm. to to one interstate a year. Which for me, this year is going to okay. be in your backyard, coming up to Runax. Oh, you are coming to Goldcon. Yeah. Oh, you're going to Runax, up to Runax yes. and uh, leaving, to Runax. leaving room in yes, my suitcase indeed. for a trophy as well, mate. I tell you. <laughs> that's, with me. that's what you think it'll be it'll be a wooden spoon is what you'll be bringing home yeah looking forward to it are you going <laughs> yes definitely going awesome. we've got a team sorted uh, so we'll be coming along and I'll be bringing most likely my Skaven to uh, you'll, you'll need all the upside you can get yeah. out of it mate <laughs> oh, at least I know what to pack for now I need something to yeah. ping off those sensor bearers don't I yes yes indeed you do <laughs> they're a yeah. brilliant unit they're the yeah. best unit we've got. Like I, I made a joke in because I think there was like three or four war scrolls we hadn't seen, 
And because I know they were terrible in the last book, and I'm like, oh, wait till the sensor bearers <laughs> come out. They'd be great. And then they came out, and they're like the best thing in the book. So I had oh, a good right. chuckle to myself when I saw that. Yeah. Um, how do you find tournaments? Like you've been obviously been to quite a few and stuff like that. How do you perform at tournaments? And then what's sort of the main reason you go to a tournament for? Yeah, uh, probably over the years, Destruction have been on a bit of a roller coaster. It's rare that they're a truly STR 5 and 0 book. Uh, the mm-hmm. Sons of Bayamat, I would say, probably in the time I've been playing it. Well, actually, that's not true. Cunning Rook for a little while as well. When Bone Splitters won you, they were a 5 and 0 army. But um, more recently, over second head onwards, I would say Bone, uh, Sons of Bayamat were the true. The one true STR army, I think, that Destruction's had, which is you know being borne out by yep. results, podium after podium, event after event, all around the world. And we were in lockdown in Victoria throughout yep. the whole of that window, so uh, so missed missed much. <laughs> yeah. And they're borne out you to play. To play. <laughs> um, yeah, I um I I do generally go four and one. I would say would be my most frequent outcome, and always playing Destruction through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. So, and that would be my goal. My goal at any event I go to is four and one. I do occasionally take a little bit of a softer army, in which case I'm probably more aiming towards the drinking aspect and the social aspect. And but even then, yep. realistically, um, three and two, I think, is probably uh, I would still set a win target. Do you know what? I don't think I would ever go. Yeah, positive, yeah. I, I don't think I would ever go to an event yep. and not set myself some sort of target for performance on the table. As much as much as I want to enjoy both yep. aspects, there is sort of a minimum, a minimum baseline level of performance I, I would set for myself which would probably be three or two and or four yep. and one depending on how strong of an army i think i'm taking but yeah that that's uh mm-hmm. i would say probably seven times out of ten i would take a the strongest army i think i can for the current meta from the destruction armies and aim for four and one the other three times yep. out of ten i'll take something a bit bit more wacky and be happy with a three two yep, yep. yeah okay yep fair enough have you got a favorite tournament you've been oh, to over the years then one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because <laughs> I know you've got an awesome yeah, tournament scene down in Victoria. I think yours is just as good as yeah, ours up here. Had some good Saturday nights and stuff. I, I reckon those two in Geelong were both good. I enjoyed both of them. Yeah, the, I think they've wrapped okay. that up, though. The, there's a big crew in Victoria. That Melbourne's been a bit of a backwater, to be honest, for Age of Sigmar. I think there's something like okay. 5 million people in the state and 4.5 of them are in the city. And the, the just yep. there hasn't really been that... Um, heavyweight tournament scene that juggernaut going in the in melbourne at all it's all been down to bendigo and geelong mm-hmm. in the regions to drive it forward which is crazy is to madness. hear about I think to be honest there's probably might say a bit of movement in that space now i know sam morgan's decided to take it on his shoulders and he's yes he's uh he's the guy who's got enough um firepower to get it to get things moving there yeah so i, yeah, I reckon does, sam yeah. will be you know a real asset to the age of sigma community in victoria and i think he'll do great things for us and yeah looking forward to going to his mm-hmm event and supporting that next month in august um yeah snake eyes yeah, heading down there good. but yeah fam's um fam's getting things going but i think look I, I wasn't around in the fantasy days i think dwellers were based in melbourne and they were a powerhouse of australian wargaming and i think when they broke hard away from age of sigma they took a lot of people with them and the, so but yeah right. um, geelong and bendigo both got really large active scenes and yeah those those yep. saturday nights down in geelong have been pretty wild like clock michael clocky yeah uh, He's got he's got basically a mansion and his shed's bigger than my house sort of thing and he you know you've got forty fifty people in there yeah we've had some good nights in there yeah so I'm going to see both of the July yep. events but then yeah I've I've not been to a bad one to be honest I've never been to a tournament and thought well that was a waste of time and money no neither have I 
I think every single tournament, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they've ever been to mm. a bad tournament either. I think Australia puts on good yeah. tournaments year round. I think um, probably what I need to do is pull my finger out and travel interstate a little bit more. I've been to, been to ACT. I've never. I did have one. I did have a ticket for Queensland. It was one of the ones that got COVIDed. Oh, the yeah. Brisbane events. I've a ticket for Brisbane before yep. with full intention of going, but I couldn't. Never been to New Zealand. Yeah. Was that the destruction based well, one then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was going to go to. Um, I've been to ACT as well. Been to South Australia a few times. I almost don't count South Australia as interstate because they're uh, we've got we've got good links with the fellas down there. So yeah, we go to theirs. They come to ours. Yep, they've been good nights as well. Mind the uh, the RSL that we go to there's good fun. But um, but yeah, never been to never been to Queensland. Never been to Sydney. So yeah, I'll have to uh, go to Queensland this year, and maybe next year I'll pull my finger out and get up to Sydney. How about yep. that? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I'll hold you to yeah. it then. Yeah. Have you got a favorite tournament game or a favorite game that is just sticks out in your brain as like this has been the game that I've been yeah. wanting to play since you yeah. picked it up again? Because I know everyone's probably got a few games floating around, but there's generally one that just sticks there out. Isn't, the yeah, rest. Look, I'll never forget the game I played against Big Mick in South Australia. He was um, Mick from the field charge. I was I was down there. I think I'd won my first two games, so. It was just after Skaven and Feck came out. And Feck in particular yep. launched into a combat meta that could not possibly handle them. They were fighting first on both players' turns. Didn't matter right. who charged. It was heads I win, tails you lose. They were like Pac-Man moving across the board and just yep. chomp, chomp, chomp. So at the time, I um, I resurrected the Cunning Rook and got the Arrow Boys out because I felt like, um, yeah, oh, I, nice. I just felt like they had a little bit more play in the meta at the time. So 2-0 no going into mm-hmm. that game and so was Big Mick. He had his Feck there. And I think um, Mick, well, spoiler alert, Mick went on to five and all the event. I held him to a minor. He got four majors and then he beat <laughs> me in a minor. It was a bloody close game. But um, yeah, it was one of those where it was Saturday afternoon. I had two games under my belt. I was absolutely fried. I tried to go drink for drink with him and Gemma the night before on the Friday. Oh, <laughs> that's a mistake. Smashed <laughs> <laughs> me on the table and drank me under it. I yeah. Uh, I was still suffering from that, <laughs> but yeah, it was what it was just that atmosphere on the Friday night in South Australia as well, where you had you had a bunch of guys from Sydney there as well. Um, I think Dan Brill was there from memory. You had um, oh, what was it? There was, yeah, there was a bunch of guys who dropped out of the scene actually, but from Sydney as well. But yeah, we were all down from Victoria. Okay. There was all the crew eaters were there, all the locals, and it was just it felt like you were seeing old friends. Well, you were seeing old friends, but it was a real. Do you ever get that yeah. where you, um, you know, when you sort of turned 18 and a lot of people moved away to go to university and stuff, but then those sort of Christmas Eve when you were 19, 20, 21, everyone came back to the hometown or the home suburb and you were still, like you hadn't seen each yeah. other for a year a lot of the times, but everyone came back and that was always my favourite night of the year was Christmas Eve in one of the pubs in my hometown when you were sort of in your late teens, early 20s and everyone, everyone was still in the pattern of coming home for Christmas. It was a lot yeah. like that. It was that atmosphere. It was a Friday night in the pub and everyone was, yeah, you know, awesome. folks that you just chat about in DMs and you you like each other's tweets throughout the air. But then having, you know, getting back together again and having a beer, it was just, it was next level stuff. But yeah, it was absolutely shit-faced. And uh, yeah, I was suffering the next day. I'd had two hard games for the first two rounds and my brain was fried. And then this game was just off the charts. It was, I think I was like casting spells on an 11 and he'd unbind them on a 12 and it, 
you're one of those games where both dice are just wildly yeah. hot and you're able to do whatever you happen. want, but the other person I denies I it. Rule, yeah. I had a rule where I could bring a unit back on a six and I got a unit of 30 arrow boys back in turn five on a six and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I think you have to re-roll if you're tied on priority and we're like re-rolling three or four times. But yeah, it was it was just an absolute roller coaster and he got me. You got me, but it was so cool. It yeah. was a burning one as well. And you know those decision points that the burning the objectives ones give oh, you? Oh, yes. Like, if I burn it, I'm ahead. But then yep. if I don't burn it, he might take it off me. But if I make him take it off me, it's with it's drawing his resources away. But if I burn it, then he knows what he has to do. Yep. It was just, yeah, like, it, it, you know there's a right answer, but you can't get there because you're fucking half-pissed and... <laughs> Um, yeah, Mick, and honestly, like my brain was frazzled with steam coming out of my ears. My hair was wild and drenched. And Mick is just standing there, chuckling like Zangief from Street Fighter. Like he couldn't give a shit. Like he was just so relaxed about the yeah. whole thing. And yeah, that, that that's a game that'll always stick me, with me. Like Mick, uh, Mick was such a cool opponent, and uh, and yeah, he got the win and went on to five and all the event as well. Absolute legend. Love the field charge yeah. guys. Yeah, Mick's yeah. a great sort. I love Mick. I've been up to Toowoomba a few times and always hanging out with Mick and stuff like that. They're very well yeah, crew up I there. love Gemma as well. They're great. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. Best sort of crew around, I reckon. <laughs> That's why they always get shouted out on everyone's podcast because <laughs> everyone loves a good failed charge. But I think they've stepped away from the scene for a little bit at the moment, I think, just mainly COVID stuff. Taking a bit of a break, like are they? Yeah, I haven't seen them around for a little bit in the last six months. Oh, hopefully they'll come so. back. But probably, Runax will probably change stuff. I'm sure it always brings everyone out of the woodwork when Renax is around. I'm sure they'll charge there, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be there for yep. sure. Have you picked up any other side games being a competitive yeah, person? I am. Um, I'm one of those people who um, who gets a bit of a itchy trigger finger when something cool comes out. So, yeah, when Marvel Crisis <laughs> Protocol came out, I bought pretty heavily into that. You know, I probably over the last twelve months, okay. I've been to six tournaments. Five of them were Marvel. One of them was Age of Sigmar. Yeah, oh, um, nice. I had a yep. really good time playing that. Still going to play it, but I would say probably the new yep. General's Handbook, I'm really excited for it. And funnily enough, a lot of the okay. stuff that other folks aren't enthused about, like Purple Sun and the Hunter's Battalion, um, I, I love it. <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I just, I'm in for the yep. wild ride. And it, it won't be forever. So It's yeah. a wild six months yeah. ahead of it. It won't for be sure. forever, so I'm just going to embrace it and enjoy it. But yeah, um, so that's loaded yep. me back into the Age of Sigmar side. But yeah, I play a lot of Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, I'd say probably at the moment, 50-50 okay. between that and Age of Sigmar in terms of what's got my attention. Um, also yep. Hero Quest, they re- re-released that one. It is mainly a nostalgia trip, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a kid's game fundamentally, but been enjoying playing that one and painting them up. Um, Kill Team, that's good locally because it is hard to mm-hmm. get a game of Age, Age of Sigmar on a weeknight now. So just that, that skirmish level mm. game that you can build it out in an hour and a half or two hours, it is it is good for weeknights. And also, I've, I've always loved the 40k models and setting, but not as much the game, so it's, it scratches that itch. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Now, when I was a kid and reading all those white dwarfs and stuff and never playing the game, do you know 2008 Day and Judge Dredd, Sam? Was that a big part of your youth or not really? Not really. I think because that 2008 was when I was like 17, 18. Yeah. But when I was a kid and I was sort of 12 or whatever, reading those White Dwarf magazines, I think I sort of confused it with 2008 Day. And I, I might have thought they were the same thing or part of the same thing or linked somehow because they okay. had very similar art style back then and very similar tone. And I listened to an interview with Rick Priestley not long ago on YouTube where he's, that was no coincidence. Like he said, all of the, all of the staff in the studio <laughs> at GW, they were massive 
Judge Dredd fans and and they were heavily, heavily influenced yeah, by okay. it. But Rick Priestley's involved at a company called Warlord Games, the publishers of Bold Action, and they've been okay. bringing out a couple of the 2018 games. So they've got a new game system for it, which I think Gav is it Gav Adams who writes some of the Black Library novels. I'm not yeah. a law person, so yeah, I'm no one clue. of the big Black Library <laughs> authors writes the rules for these games, and they're really cool, like very cinematic. But um, so yeah, I've been buying up Judge Dredd and Strontium Dog and things like that, more with a view that not to play okay. them now, but we're not going to be doing podcasts talking about these games in 30 years time. Like they're not going to have the longevity of war. I am no. now and come back, circle back around to them later, I guess. So yeah, I've got yep. Star Wars Legion armies there that um, I probably should move on to be honest. Cause I, it's had, it's had long enough to, to get its time at the top of the um, rotation and hasn't. So yeah, a bit of a magpie, to be honest, I, I do jump yep. in with our game systems. I do buy a lot of shit. I probably shouldn't buy. Um, <laughs> yeah don't we all and yeah end up moving a lot of it on to be honest and trying to get my money back as much as i can but yeah the the big three that i'm playing at the moment age of sigma marvel and kill team loving all three really enjoying them all yeah, yeah okay yeah yeah i've definitely picked up because i picked up mcp in the last i think it was a month or so after speaking to morgan and i've thoroughly enjoyed that game i think my the biggest pull was when you have a games day you normally get maybe two age of sigma games in because you're not playing three-hour rounds. You're having a casual four-hour game. And so you get two games in over their eight hours. Whereas you can play MCP and you can get, you can meet four people or hang out with four different people for an hour or two, depending on how fast and how quick the game goes. So I've really enjoyed MCP for the skirmish yeah. nature of We've got a good scene here in Victoria as well. They have monthly events that sell out, about you know, 12, 14 players. We've had a, had a two-day already. Oh, there's another there's a team's event coming up. So it is... Um, it was a bit of a COVID baby. Like people yep. jumped straight as it launched, people were getting into TTS. So that is is the bigger part of it. Yep. Like the, the TTS tournaments get like three hundred players. But yeah, we're getting the, there's a really good yep. crew down here in, in Victoria, and yeah, had a had a really good um, had a good two day a couple of months ago. With you know, honestly, it was a great crowd. Saturday night, schnitzel and chips, all of that. Yeah, had had a really good night. Yeah, so yeah, yep. definitely going to keep playing both. It's good. It's a good fun system. Yep. Yeah, we haven't got a massive MCP scene in general. Like we've got maybe five or six people that play, but they're more, we're all more just friends. Whereas I've jumped heavily into the yeah, TTS okay. scene yep. as well. Um, so I signed up for that big tournament. I think there's sixty people in the Oceanic mm-hmm. region. Yep. So there's a good number for that yeah. as well. So um, it's obviously you're not playing with physical models then, and you're just playing an online game. Um, but the skills do transfer. Well, you'll be playing well. all my mates uh, from Melbourne. I reckon in that bracket, you'll be playing like Fastnick, Josh Fink, all those fellas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing oh, Fink on Saturday. He's so good. <laughs> yeah, he's not got a fun army for me to verse either. The first, so. he's great the first two day, sorry, the first one day I went to, I um, I flew way too close to the sun. Like the first game I played, some other scrub like me who didn't know what he was doing and beat him. And then the second game, I played some other scrub like me who also got lucky in his first game. And uh, and then the third game, I played Josh Fink for the win <laughs> for winning the event. And uh, oh boy, yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. whole different game, oh, man. Yeah, I got yeah. absolutely battered. Um, but yeah, he's such a good guy as well, though. Like me and him were having beers on the Saturday night last week. He's really good value. I reckon he'll um, you'll be if you um, if you play against him on TTS. I think he'll he'll be um, he'll be a great opponent. He'll explain everything that he's doing really clearly, very precise. Knows yeah, awesome. you do, yeah. That's what I've yeah, heard. Great he's guy, a great, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I joined into the league because I wanted to learn to play the game a lot more yeah. often and get more games in 
Um, and he, people have said he's the perfect person to play against because he's got the skills, but also has the social awareness to be able to tell you what's going on and what's happening. And so the best way to learn is to play. Yeah, he won't just he won't just wipe the floor with you and then move on to the next game. He'll he'll help, he'll do everything he can yeah. to help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. That's for sure. How is so you obviously you've picked it up in a later stage of your life, wargaming. How has your partner felt about this new obsession in your well, life? You know what I was saying, like the, the familiar tale of <laughs> liked it as an early teenager, started drinking, dropped it, came back to it when I grew up a bit, I guess. Um I think from a few of my yep. mates, because we're all we're all dads and stuff, you know, our, our wives are friends, our kids are friends, they all go to school together. And there's a very yep. similar life cycle for a Warhammer wife or girlfriend, which is they go through the first thing that they think is this is amazing. Like it's such a cool hobby. It, it's better <laughs> than drinking and spend these weekends drinking. Yep. And then you spend your weekends drinking in each other's shed playing Warhammer. And then they're like, well, he seems to have slowed <laughs> down a bit. He's definitely drinking slower than he was. And then there's, yep. hang on, this shit costs how much? <laughs> yeah. The first time to see one of your invoices or whatever, you're in a, in a parcel that comes, and then you get to yep. the point where you, know, you get a new hobby and it's exciting and you're buying everything that comes out and you maybe is uh, trying to get home first to intercept the postman before she realises that the delivery's there sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and then, But yeah, so as you've been through that life cycle of um, it's great that he's got this hobby um, and then um, and then maybe he's there getting a little bit taken aback at how expensive it is. But yeah, I think uh, they yeah. like it. They All of the wives are glad that we do it because it's... Um, I think a lot of blokes don't have a constructive thing to do with their time and end up getting lonely is what I've seen amongst my friends who don't have a hobby yes. are probably the friends who struggle. I think mm-hmm. um, the friends who do have a hobby doesn't have to be wargaming, like whether it's golf or cycling or whatever. Um, the, the people who do have a, a crew that has a hobby that they can spend time with and that they can jump on the phone and DM each other about because we'll have a get to hooks in your brain. You're, you're thinking about it yeah. all day. Um, I think I think it it's good for men's mental health and I think um, my wife and my mate's wives probably recognise and celebrate that. Yeah, it's definitely something. I think goes back to the community thing because you've got people to be around and people to socialise with and I think your brain sort of loves being... Like I know everyone's different in the way their ba- brain works in terms of like people being mm-hmm. more reclusive and stuff like that. But I think your brain in general loves being in communication with people, especially when you can just talk to the person for three or four hours yeah. over war games because you don't realize four <laughs> hours have passed and you look at the clock and you go, what's going on? Where's my yeah, day gone? <laughs> so in what point in your hobby lifestyle did you think it was a good idea to start a blog? And what was the, the meaning behind the whole blog getting started? What got me doing it, Sam, was that I didn't see anyone else doing it at the time. I wanted, I started doing it because okay. it was the sort of stuff I wanted to read and it wasn't out there. At the time, you had loads of podcasts, loads of YouTube channels, and I couldn't see anyone else putting out regular competitive Warhammer articles. Gabe was doing it with Runax, but by the time I figured out that Runax was a thing, it would it become quite sporadic. And I love Gabe's writing. Like he's he's he very much the 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 guy who got me into doing this was that I wanted to write stuff like his, but he he it becomes sporadic. He, he wasn't posting regularly, and I wanted to read something like that every week. Yep. Actually, the 
the interviews yeah. that he did where he interviewed Gammy about his bone splitters for Masters years ago. I'll, I'll always remember that article. It was um, it was really exciting to see somebody talking about an army I loved and people that I know here in Australia. Yeah. So I, I wanted to read stuff like that and I couldn't find it. So I thought, well, no time like the okay. present. Because I love, I, I still listen to podcasts, yeah. listen to your show, listen listen to a lot of them and watch YouTube channels. And, and they're still out there and they're still great and I still consume them. But you can probably read between the lines a bit, Sam, and think about times of day when you want to consume some Warhammer content and you don't want it to be audio-visual. Yeah. Yes. You want yep. to read. You want to read something Warhammer. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't put your pod- podcast on in the cubicles at work, can I? That's uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. be a bit odd, wouldn't it? You could crack the headphones out, I guess, but that would be real dedication to, to Shurgan, wouldn't it? Um, yep. but yeah, um, so yeah, I, I wanted to read it. Uh, Mengel Miniatures was another one. He He's probably, some of his editorial stuff I've enjoyed over the years, but again, that style of article would be very sporadic. It's mostly look at this mini that I've painted yes. or look at this mini someone else has painted because that's what that's what his article, that's what his blog primarily is, is more hobby and painting focused. And I, I wanted to read stuff yes, like the good, editorial yeah. stuff that he does. I wanted to read something like that every week. Um, Goonhammer, I think, mm-hmm. were doing it for 40k. They hadn't really started doing it for Age of Sigmar at the time. So I thought, well, if no one else is doing it, I'll start yep. doing it because if I want to read it, I'm sure others do as well. Yeah, so that that, that mm-hmm. was the that was what got me into it. Yep. Okay. And what, what's it called? Crack. Now, did you, uh, when you first saw it written <laughs> down, did you know what it meant? Do you know what crack means? I know what the, yeah. the drug crack is, but is there another? Yeah, well, yeah, well, okay, well, it's that, yeah. Words, I mean, I've always you know, referred to it. called plastic crack because it's as addictive as crack cocaine is the, is the gist of it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plastic crack comes yeah. from that. But crack, the way I spell it, C-R-A-I-C, it's the Irish spelling. And it, it's, um, it's, okay. it just means like banter or talking about something and enjoying talking oh, about it. Oh, okay. So it's right plastic crack, yep. but it's cracked like that. Is that... A, what, isn't there a word for a double play on words then? Because it, obviously it's playing on two different types of words of being you've written it in an Irish way to, to mean something and then you've also written it to sound like an English yeah. word where it's addictive. It's not it's a double entendre, it's like, yeah. sexual meaning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And how have you found the reception and stuff like that for your blog? How have um, people been enjoying oh, stuff yeah. like that? I mean, you, you'll, always get, um, you'll always get a bit of a... Um, what would I say? I, I put myself out there with strong opinions and mm-hmm. people aren't going to always agree with it. And that comes with the territory. And I can't complain about yep. that because if I wanted to have um, nothing but fawning praise, I'm probably going about it the wrong way. If I'm, if I'm going to come out with strong opinions <laughs> and say, this is bullshit and this is amazing and that's crap and that's dumb and it's fantastic. Yeah. Of course you're going to provoke a reaction and uh I've seen some of that you know on that Twitter, going, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, you know that going in, <laughs> in, right? So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's been yeah. nothing but... I wouldn't say it's been nothing but um, glow and praise, but certainly 95% of the feedback you gets very positive. Um, you will, yep. you know, you're always going to get someone who disagrees with you, and that's fair enough, um, because you are putting yourself out there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say probably the ultimate compliment, and I have had it a few times, Sam, is when uh, I've had people asking me if I write professionally and if I write for a living, and... It is so cool. cool. It's such a compliment. And it's so far from the <laughs> truth. Like, it could not be further from the truth. Because I work with numbers for a living. I'm in finance. And um, and actually, yep. the blog, uh, there's adverts on there, but they don't cover the cost of running it. Like, you know, you have to pay for hosting and stuff. And um, maybe I could go about it a smarter yep. way. I don't know. But I actually 
not only do I not get paid for writing, but I pay money to write. It costs me money to run plastic crack, so it's a hobby, you know. It's it's uh yeah. So yeah, I only do it for the love. But yeah, it's such. I have had that question asked sincerely a few times, and it's such a big compliment. Yeah, it's so flattering. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Because you've had some big names on there to, to sort of. What are they called when you get someone on there to speak? Not a, like a guest writer, or. Yeah, yes, the one before. Yeah, you've had a few guest writers do like their own little part of the blog where you've had competitive yeah. gamers on there and stuff like that. So that's super sort of my, interesting my to rule see. with that one is I don't go asking people to write because they're a big name or so that I can write on their coattails. The only people that write on there or that I invite yep. to write on there are people that I chat Warhammer with. So, because you know, I'm very yep. active on the socials, I've got lots of people that I would class as friends that I DM and they DM me and we're talking WhatsApps and we hit each other up on Twitter and so anyone that I've ever invited on the blog is someone that I would class as a friend and someone that I talk Warhammer with regularly. Uh, but yeah, some, yeah, okay. I some, think this is the best some of them are really big names, sure. definitely. Like as big as it gets in the hobby, yep. a lot of them are not well known outside of our Australian community. I wouldn't think. Um, but mm-hmm. so yeah, you've got the whole spread, I guess. Um, I do give a lot of Aussie Wargame as a platform on there, but the common thread is that everyone who yep. I ask to write on there or everyone that I interview. With, it's the one that I would um, that I would interact with outside of the blog as well. That's the common thread there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then if if someone was interested in, I know it's probably stepping on your feet a little bit. But if someone was interested in trying to do a blog, would you have any interesting tips for trying to someone yeah, else trying to get into the space? Not stepping on my feet at all. At all. Um, there's more than one podcast. There's more than one YouTube show. And there should be <laughs> yeah. more than one blog, please, because I want to read it. Okay. <laughs> I, want people to, I want more people to do this. There's another one called Warhammer, actually W E Warhammer, um, in their their poems, but they've um, they're very short, quick fire articles. But I like reading them as well. They're good. They're worth a okay. shout out. They're uh, very destruction focused as well. So that's uh, in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job. Yep. Yeah, um, I just I, I want people to do because I, I enjoy reading. I, I read books for pleasure in my spare time, yep. and um, yeah, I want people to pick up blogging because I want to read this stuff. Um, my tips would be. Um, all right. Probably first of all, I would say just get started. Just sit down at your keyboard and start bashing it out. I am happy to, if anyone wants to hit me up, I'm happy to proofread and give feedback on anything that you've, um, anything that you've done. If you're perhaps nervous about how it's going to be received or anything, I'm happy to give it a proofread. I would say be prepared that you will receive negative as well as positive feedback, unless you're you know, if it's unboxing type stuff or whatever, then, you know, that's a thing. <laughs> the old yeah, swaggy bits yeah. come in. <laughs> well, I see even they, even they get uh, negative feedback, don't they, for, um, for what they do. But, but yeah, I would say yeah. unless, you know, painting tutorials or something, who could take offense at that? Um, but if you're, if you're going to put yourself out there, you have to be ready that you will get um, pushback. So be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but I would say just get started. Set yourself up a WordPress account. And if you want somebody to proofread it, if you want somebody who's been doing this for a little while now to give you some feedback, and I will be honest with my feedback, I'm not going to rip something to shreds and say that is a load of shit. I think you should find something else to do with your time. What I will do is uh, go through with my little teacher's red pen and say, you know, typo here, this sentence is too long. I'll I'll give honest, con- yeah. but the key is constructive feedback. It'll be specific. And I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll give, if anyone's interested, get started, let me know, and I'm more than happy to give it a read. And if anyone's got just wants to dip their toe in the water and do a little bit of writing, um, my DMs are open as well. If you wanted, you know, if you said, "Hang on, you, you've talked about giving Aussie Aussie Wargamers a 
the voice I thought we were mates you've never invited me to write on there it's probably just that <laughs> the right article hasn't come along at the right time so if, if you're listening to this and you do have an idea for an article that you want to write I'm happy to give you a platform if you want to write on plastic crack um, get in touch and if you are in a position where you don't know how to get started from a technological point of view and you don't know how to get it out there I've done the most basic, simple thing you can possibly do, which is just open up a WordPress account. It's not my strength. I don't know anything about the IT side. Just open up a WordPress account and pick a theme and off you go. And if you, it will cost you money. It won't cost you a fortune. Um, it, I think it's something like $100 a year, something like that for WordPress hosting. If you need to, um, if you need to monetize it or if you want to monetize it or you can't afford the $100, I'm sure there's other ways to go about that but I don't know what they are. I just pick the easiest, simplest way for somebody who's not a professional blogger to yep. just get started and start banging the keyboard, which is to set up a WordPress account. And they will get you up and running with a good looking blog in five minutes. Like it'll, it'll look like you know what you're doing even when you don't. So that, that's the simplest way to get into it for sure. Yep. Perfect. Great, that's the answer <laughs> I was looking for. <laughs> Definitely the best way is always yeah, just get 100%. started. Like that's how I started doing this podcast. Was it daunting at first, or were you raring to go? <laughs> oh yeah, I hated listening to myself. I hated trying to edit it at all. I hated trying to like reach out and get people on here. Um, I think it was the most. It's just daunting. putting yourself out there again, isn't um, it? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. You you improve. Like probably if I went back and listened to my first few episodes, I would probably think they sound like garbage, and I wouldn't enjoy. I don't them know. How I think they were good from the start. Um, I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you. I'll, oh, really? Yeah, Thank I'll you. listen to you. I'll be honest, Sam, I can't always keep up with you. Like, I can't keep up with one episode a week. But um, so, yeah, sometimes I have to go yep. back and listen to a couple. But um, yeah, the first few, I enjoyed it from the start. I just think you've, yeah, you've got a really natural way with people and you keep the conversation Yeah. Oh, sweet. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate the comment. <laughs> oh, since, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely been um, something that I've had to learn to like encourage myself to do it as well. Like, some weeks I have to miss it because I'm too busy. Um, but it's definitely something you've just got to get in there and have a go at it. If you don't like it after a while, no one's going to get at you for wanting to not put it out there. Um, and if people enjoy it, you'll, you'll see it and then you'll be wanting to do it more and more. I know I have when people have been commented, like with your comments before, like it just encourage you to do it more often. Um, and then if you can get constructive mm -hmm. criticism as well, that's always good because they're wanting you to improve. Um, it's just when people shut you down straight away, yeah. that's when it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but if people are offering constructive criticism, that that's the best thing you can get out of people. And if someone wanted to get into playing Destruction Armies, because we're nearing the end of the podcast here, how they go about it? Like, what's your best tip for a Destruction Army? I would bro? say the best Destruction Army to start with is Iron Jaws. Because the fundamentals are there. They're fast. They hit hard. You, they tell you what they want you to do with them. There's nothing, um, there's nothing hidden. Well, there's technique and there's nuance and the, the difference between a four and one and a two and three is is experience but if you want to pick up an army and start playing and for it to play how you feel like it should i would say angels are the best place because they're relatively cheap buy-in they've got a great start collecting box the models can pick one of the only ones yeah. left i think yeah. at the moment <laughs> uh beast claw raiders as well great value for money you can buy three start collecting boxes and you're up and away with a with an army that's quick to paint quick to get on the table relatively forgiven um so yeah i would say Either one of those two, pick them up straight away. Um, Gates, obviously, you're talking, it's a, it's a bit more of a commitment and a bit more of an investment, isn't it? There's, I think. Oh, yes. Well and truly. <laughs> yeah, you can go Trogsroot. You can go Trogsroot. But um, 
I think there's a certain mentality, yeah. Sam. Like you don't pick destruction; destruction picks you. Like there's there's a mindset where yes. you, you, goblins just grab you, and you what? So you, you meet people in all walks of life yeah. who um, they just pick up the night goblins and the the moonclimb grotters. There's, there's just something about them that you've either got something in your mind. There's a certain way that your brain works that they either they grab you by the lizard brain or they don't. And I think um, I can see that in you and. I can give I can sit here and give the advice about play Beast Corp, play Iron Jaws, but there's a percentage of people out there who look at those sneaky little gits and their heart will be set on them and they're just yep. gonna pick them up and play them. <laughs> they are they are my passion yeah. army, that's for sure. I've got shelves and shelves of them and they're all painted I put too much paint on them. They're they're way too highly detailed. Like all the eyeballs have like three different layers of paint on them. And like they're mm-hmm. my love army, and then yeah, if you love gits, you love gits. There's so many hidden gits players out there, and they're all coming out of Woolworks now. There's videos yeah. coming out everywhere from all these them. content creators. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to play them, but I gits. Always loved them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I would add to the list as well. Bone Split as quite a cheap buy-in for a horde army. Like the kit of twenty boys is good value. It, um, as far as GW kits okay. go, it's not bad at all. Paint up real quick. You can spray them with a green spray can, um, and you get a lot of wounds on the table, so they're quite forgiving in that sense. If yes. you're playing with your mates or whatever and you're new to it, you can you can set up real simple armies with screens and work out profits. And that's <laughs> and it's exciting and you have yep. um you have the fundamentals there just in terms of having a high wound count on the table, which will get you through a lot of situations. So yeah, surprisingly for a horde army, it can be quite a good intro for new players, bone splitters, believe it or not. I was worried about bone splitters for a little while there before the new book came out, but yeah. now I think you're safe to get yeah. an army of them because um, we're always worried they're going to be squatted um, because they weren't getting any love whatsoever, and then they released a new or a book yeah. and they're back in there. So we could go I don't again. Know if you've read the Cragnoth <laughs> novel by David Geimer. Oh well, you said you're not a fluff guy. That's fine, but they're no, featuring no. <laughs> heavily in the fluff at the moment. Like the the heavily in the oh, Fondia awesome. campaign book that came out. There's the big big protagonists mm-hmm. in that heavy in the black library books that have came out so they've um they're, they're definitely part of the family still they're, they're definitely being included yep yeah oh awesome and they're strong mm. in the meta yeah as well. they are i'm i'm excited for dragfoot because nurgle are everywhere and switching off those there's just yeah nurgle's the big one but there's so many armies that i've got a six of board save night haunt yeah there's uh we've got quite a nice little yep. niche and then that that bonus they got that sixes explode army wide is what big snappers were waiting for yeah they've always been the best unit to exploit the um the Drakfoot ability because they can actually force some saves with their end two, and uh, so yeah, I think yep. I, I think they're pretty strong. I'm uh, I'm lining them up for a teams event in a couple of weeks time actually. Okay. <laughs> I think everyone's lining up two big dudes yeah. carrying a big stick. Well, I had a bunch already. <laughs> but, Seems to be the new but, way. Yeah, I've got um, yeah, I've got my Drakfoot army with a whole bunch of big stabbers ready for teams event soon. So looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yep. Ah, oh, beautiful. Oh, is, is that the the teams event in uh, November? No, we've got a local one. Yeah. Oh, you another one between from Ballarat. Yeah, I've he's, heard the name. He's heard the down name. here before. He's a great guy. Well, he's he's a big Gits fan as well. You'd know him in the Gits chat. Yeah, he's uh, but he's another one who loves Gits but wins tournaments with Seraphon. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's um, he's got a good crew in Ballarat, and we're uh, yeah our local oh, crew. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to get right. uh, five guys together and drive across there on a couple of Saturdays and. Oh, yeah, have cool. a, have a little teams challenge. Yeah. So not a tournament as such, but yeah, just a little challenge. Kayton versus Ballard. Yeah, yeah. Spellers, so a little scrim. Yeah. 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 Oh, that'd be good. 
I'm very jealous. I would love to be doing like a little, a little like team scrim like that. Which sounds like an awesome sort of. Are you doing it over yeah, the three just days? One just day one day Saturday. Get um, just get onto yeah. the field charge guys. Throw down a challenge to them. Yeah, simple math, fail yeah, challenge. Yeah, ask them to get four people together and have a Saturday on the piss. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah, because they're. All, I know they're always yeah. up for a good drink. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I'll not make that mistake twice. Yeah. Trying to match big mix for drinks. <laughs> he's he's, uh, he's a big unit. <laughs> Built for war. Oh yeah, yeah, he'll drink yeah. it so easily. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Pete. It was great to chat to you finally nah, in person. Well, not in person, yeah. but like face to face. Yeah, it's I been suppose. a long time yeah. coming, hasn't it, mate? Do you have any shoutouts? Yeah. yeah, it's been too long. That's for sure. <laughs> Do you have any shout-outs or anything you wanted to leave the uh, the audience with? Oh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to shout out the Measured Gaming crew. Um, not that they need a shout out from me because the you know YouTube channel's going from strength to strength and they've got Bush Radio podcast. But yeah, when I first moved to Australia, I didn't know a soul. Um, left, you know, had loads of mates that I left behind in England, and you sort of, you you go to work and come home from work, and when you're working full time, unless you make mates at work. Where do you go um, when you haven't got that infrastructure of mm-hmm. people that you grew up with and went to school with and all of that? Um, so, yeah, when I first came to Australia, I was a little bit lost in that sense and very, very quickly fell in with those fellas up in Bendigo. So welcoming. Uh, made um, it, All through Warhammer. Um, made made me and Ro, because yeah. we started just driving up there on Saturdays to play games with them, made us feel so welcome. Um, brought us um, brought us into the, the family really um, with open arms and, you know, didn't have to do that, but I think um, I think the measured gaming crew, so Joel McGraw and the boys, just really helped me settle into life in Australia. And um, and without Warhammer and without measured gaming, I I think um, what I'm what I'm doing now would be very different. I think uh, it's really been a um, I guess a, a life changing event um, meeting those guys and hanging out with those guys. And I'll yep. I'll always be grateful and and I'll always remember what they did for me when I first moved to Australia, which was. Um, been a great bunch of mates oh that's awesome back to the community thing always goes back to that doesn't it sam yeah yeah it really does it just it's always the common thread is uh people you join in warhammer and you've got an instant family you could go anywhere in the world and you get an instant family like i'm going back to the uk christmas for just to spend christmas with the family and yeah like so many of my Mm -hmm. warhammer mates and marvel crisis protocol mates as well um looking forward to you know getting on the beers and meeting people face-to-face and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very jealous. I've, I've heard, like, the UK scene for both of those things is just absolutely amazing. Like, they had a bloody teams tournament there. They had 80 people yeah, for MCP. Yeah, Tony Moore. That's huge. Yeah, shout out to Tony Moore as well. He's done so yeah. much to get MCP firing. Because the work that you have to yeah. put in to get a, a scene off the ground from from ground zero, yeah, so much work to put into it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome, Pete. Thanks very much for coming on again. It was great to chat to you. All right, mate. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for inviting me on the show and have a good weekend, brother. See you later. See you soon, mate. Thank you for listening to Unidentified Wargamer. You can find links for the guests located in the description. You can find the show on Twitter at U underscore Wargamer. And I will see you next week. Ah, yes, that plastic crack. Just talking to me!